Hello, everybody. Episode four of Our Roots and Tea. So this podcast, we're going to be exploring um, all the life topics, existential type of topics, meditation, spirituality, philosophy, you know, mental well-being, psychology, all that kind of stuff. And today, this episode, we're going to be trying out uh, the tea we're doing is called Taylor's. It's the lemon and orange tea. It says uh, <laughs> zesty and vibrant black tea. Uh, it is, yeah, it is caffeinated, so that's fine. That's that's okay. And uh, but we're, mm-hmm. we're today we're doing actually tonight we're doing Zoom call with um, Vanessa Patton, my great friend. Over I don't know, <laughs> she's located now. She's like everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She won't be trying the tea with us because you know since we're doing Zoom call, she's doing her own thing. But I have my own tea, though. It's just oh. not the same kind, but I do have the tea. Okay, great. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's great, yeah, because, you know, tea does have that meditative kind of calming effect, which it just fits perfectly with this, what we're trying to do tonight or what we're talking about. Mm. Um, but to get kind of get started, I, I sort of want to just jump right into it, you know, and Vanessa asking you, kind of how, well, first of all, how you've been, and second of all, because I know you had a moment where you're going through kind of like maybe your own spiritual journey or, or discovering your, your inner spiritual self, so I kind of want to know a little bit about how you got started, when, why, all that. Okay, yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you very much for having me. It's so nice to see you again. Um, <clears throat> well, just a li- yeah, just a little back context. So I haven't seen you in, in quite a number of years. We just figured out it was like five and a half years. Um, but you met me at a time when I was really exploring the film community in LA. I'd moved down there to do a conservatory program at Edgemar Center for the Arts. And um, that was, you know, the primary bridge that brought us together was our love of storytelling. And I had always, in and amongst that passion, been super passionate about um, meditation from a very young age. I got in, I read a book called Awakening the Buddha Within. Um, it was by an American guy who had lived in India during the 70s named Lama Surya Das. And he sort of explained this theology to me that was having grown up more in a sort of um, Christian, sort of traditional Christian um, theology. And moved sort of away from that, obviously, in my adolescence, in my teenage years, we weren't very strict about going to church, but I was kind of always looking for an interpretation of reality, an interpretation of reality that I didn't see on TV, that I didn't see in beauty magazines, that I didn't always see in films represented as in a way that I related to or connected to as a young person. And I found this book when I was about uh, 15. And it really talked about, in very layman's terms, the, the philosophy of Buddhism and the relationship to understanding that we have a universal connection to all living things on this planet, no matter how small, and that the compartmentalization of worth, so the way that we as human beings have become accustomed to valuing life um, in a particular category was actually really far away from the nature of spirit. So that was my sort of inception point was finding that book and being like, wow, that's how I feel. And I get so excited about a sunset or grass or a ladybug. And, and, um, you know, it's just an ancient wisdom that's come from, you know, primarily Eastern traditions, 
for thousands of years. Um, but all major religions and theologies have these sort of themes throughout them. And then when I was about 19, when I was 19 after high school, I moved to Australia. And that's sort of when I first discovered the practice of yoga. Um, and throughout my kind of earlier 20s, I began, I sort of rebelled against the gym. I hated going to the gym. I hated the lights. I hated the treadmill. I was like, there's got to be something better than this. I love dancing. I love being outside. But I was like, I hate this. <laughs> so uh, when I found yoga, I found it was like the best way for me to actually be authentically in the body, not trying to convince myself that I was a 40 more times, which works really well for some people. Um, and I just really noticed the effects that it had in my life. Um, how much less anxiety I had, how much more fluid I was uh, in terms of being able to not hold on to attachments, to not be um, as frustrated, to have more patience, certain things like that. I just found them very non-dogmatically cultivating this beautiful garden in my life. So that's been an ever-present um, uh, merriment for me in, in my life since then. Um, and obviously, like any human being, we kind of ebb in our flow with our disciplines and, and, and our passions. Um, but that's always been something that's really, really saved me. And, and I had um, a pretty traumatic back injury. Ten years ago, I fell out of a two-story building in Brazil and was actually told that I would probably never walk again. And um, through um, a very strong relationship to meditation and to the belief that we actually co-create our reality, we visualize it and it manifests, um, I was able to not only help heal myself, but also um, was able to go from might not ever being able to walk again to the surgery going well to them being like, you could walk again to you'll probably walk again in four months to me getting off my medication in four days and being fully healed and back at yoga in six weeks. And so I've actually been able to live the embodiment practice all my life in my life through its healing capacities. And that sort of like showed me how magical we are as people and how incredibly powerful our bodies are when they work with our mind together, not, you know, in opposite, in opposite ways. And, um, yeah, I and I would say that, you know, when I came back from LA, it's really interesting you brought that up. When I came back from LA, and I, I, I might might be a little cliche, I kind of came there with, I came from a theater background, so I wanted to learn more about film. That's why I came there. That's how I met you. And then <clears throat> I sort of came home feeling like I was in a spiritual deficit. So much hustle, so much driving, so much all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I need, I need to stop. So about 2015, 2016 is when I really started to dive deeper into yogic philosophy and understanding the path, not in a richer way as a student. Um, and I began a six month program in Vancouver, which then led to getting my teacher training certificate, which then led to getting doing a course in Ayurveda, which then led to me working with horses for an extended period of time, and then led to me um, working on a First Nations reserve um, in their permaculture garden. So all these sorts of things kind of, yeah, led to a little bit of a pivot and I, I don't act in films anymore, although I'm still slightly low grade crazy. So <laughs> that was a long answer. <laughs> Sorry, but again, it's like, <laughs> we got a lot to cover here. Yeah, that's, that's a lot, definitely a lot to unpack. Um, okay, let's, let's, let's backtrack in the very beginning. Okay, cause you discovered this book, he said, you know, around when you were like, you know, 15 or, or at least in high school. Mm -hmm. 
so if you had never found this book, do you think you would mm-hmm. still go on this path or? Because it sounded like you, you would be still interested in it anyways, but this book was kind of like the pushing point for you. Yeah, it was, it was, the, it was definitely the wording that made me feel, uh, that gave me a sort of context for what I innately felt. But I actually believe that we have access to that same type of innate feeling of like love and acceptance and comfort, even just by the sheer act of spending time alone in the woods or going to the beach or going outside. Um, I feel to your point, I, I do feel that I would always be on some variation of a reverent path. Um, just because one of the things that actually really keeps me sane I, in life actually is my ability to perceive beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, my ability to, to look for the good aspects of people, um, my ability to, to find moments in the day to be grateful. Um, those simple things have sort of like allowed me to endure a lot of adverse circumstances in life. And, and I think what's so cool is that that's always available to everyone as well. Um, so yeah, if I didn't find this book on, on, on Buddhism and Buddhist philosophy, I probably wouldn't have done Vipassana meditations, yep. like the two, the 10 day retreats that I went on. Yep. I probably wouldn't have done, gone, done that necessarily. And, it, um, and I might not have found yoga necessarily, but I think that I would, I would always be in reference to beauty. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because it does, it did sound like your perception did change. Um, because mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, you know, even before that you you know, you're able to feel compassion, you're able to feel empathy or even perceive beauty or, or was it just like you kind of slowly discovered it as you kind of went on this journey and then you're like, oh, wow, something opened up my mind or my eyes and you, you kind of see things differently. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I don't, sometimes you ever like stumble ass backwards into things and you kind of like, I think, isn't that like, isn't that what, like, I feel like all of your like teens and your twenties is you just like stumbling ass backwards into things sure. and then sort of like dusting it off and yeah, yeah. refining it and being like, maybe I'll keep this. I should throw yeah. that away. Yeah. 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 I, I would, I would say that was probably my process of discovery. It wasn't ever a very intentional thing. Okay. I think, I think that my priorities just sort of have naturally shifted Mm -hmm. but I I was always in a relationship with spirit since I was a young person I always had I was always I mean I was also an only child so I spent a lot of time talking to myself um I had a I had a which which actually is a lot more palatable when you just call it prayer (laughs) you had had an imaginary friend exactly exactly (laughs) and then I was like "Ooh, if I change my imaginary friend to spirit people will think I'm less crazy hence why I did acting (laughs) okay wait so so do you you actually believe in ghosts then do you have you seen ghosts is that because you said you believe in spirit so I believe I mean I've never seen ghosts so I've definitely never seen ghosts I feel like I've heard some funky stuff sometimes in older older places that I've been okay um but I mean, like the universal spirit, I feel in life, in moments that I can't explain or, you know, the things that happen to you that would only ever very specifically happen to you because you've listened to them or because you've asked for them, pardon me. So it's like you feel like you're being listened to by something. 
those are the, those are the instances in my life, like especially when I went traveling by myself at 19, that sort of confirmed to me that there seems to be this ongoing magical conversation between us and and something that's that's caring for us in some sort of a way, you know. Um, and I don't. I wouldn't say that I have like a perfect. I certainly don't believe in like a white man with like a long beard and a trident and a cloud. That's not. That's not what I'm speaking to. Nor do I have any particular um, lean toward other people's beliefs. But just for myself, I would say that that's been something that that feels like a pretty strong conviction for me in in my life. And yeah. Okay. And you. So you for you like you actually sense or you do believe that not just humans but even other living force out here have their own spirit like trees have their own spirit yeah. okay totally. interesting yeah. okay and are you able to distinguish if something is you know having a bad spirit or good spirit i don't even know you know that makes sense to you right because i have heard people tell me about how some some people you can sense they have like a bad aura or bad energy so i mean i don't know if you believe in all that or i mean your opinions on it <laughs> yeah i mean i think we all as human beings no matter what we every single one of us has an intuition you know yeah. every single one of us has a sixth sense every single one of us has you know their gut feeling um and i think that it just depends on you know what your level of sensitivity is in certain moments to be able to tap into it and also what your level of comfortability is to be able to listen to where that information is pointing you, you know? Um, so I would say that, yeah, absolutely. I can, sometimes you walk into a room and you're like, Oh, it's yeah. not the best vibes. Or like you walk into a room and you'd be like, this is my spot. Or, you know, you, you'll meet somebody on the street and you'll be like, I don't know that person, but I feel like they're my family. Or other times you meet someone and you're like, yeah, I'm cool for that like short five minute visit. I don't think I need to repeat that. So I think we all have these little internal guiding systems. Um, so yeah, I, I, I but I, I'm not like, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm higher on any kind of spectrum in order to be able to perceive that. I, I just think that that's, that's definitely something that I've learned to trust more as I've gotten older. Well, but when you say that, isn't it kind of bad though? Because I mean, you know, you don't want to just trust anyone, right? Because, <laughs> because mm -hmm. yeah, so so when you say you learn to trust more, um, I'm sure you meant like more selectively, right? Based on your sensitivity and how you feel. Yeah, of course. I'm just saying like, you know how sometimes you ever have a hunch about something and it okay. might not be based, it might not be based in logic. You know oh. what I mean? If you're like, or, or say you fall in love with somebody okay. that you, it's totally unexpected, mm -hmm. but you just feel this way. Well, that's what I mean about trusting your gut and like trusting your, I think when I was younger, I would fight a little bit more with myself internally about things and be like, no, I shouldn't do that. No, I can't do that. Whereas like, you know, you, I, you, you have moments of success with being like, this sounds crazy, but I'm going to go for it because I can't stop thinking about it. And then you do it and you're like, okay, yeah, I, sh I can, I can learn to trust myself a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, just because, yeah, it was just a curiosity thing because it's almost, I know what you mean by the, the gut instinct, gut feeling, because, uh -huh. you know, that can tell a lot about I mean, of course, maybe that you might not be able to tell someone's a serial killer or not, but I mean, <laughs> I think you can't. That's the problem. Can you? Can you? Can you? Are you that sensitive? 
no, no, no. I said, I think you can't. That's the problem. I oh, think okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's why you, that's like, ooh, you just got to hope you duck and weave and don't put yourself in those weird situations. But no, I bet some people who are hanging out with like, I mean, let's, we're going to go down a dark road. It's going to be a whole other podcast. Yes. Yeah, it will be. It will be. Yeah, yeah. We won't, we won't talk about yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, because I'm like, I'm sure Ted Bundy was like a really cool guy up until the point that he wasn't, you know, like you can never tell. That's the interesting thing about human beings. Sometimes they can always, yeah. we can always hide from each other if we want to. That's true. Uh, we, we do, you know, as human beings, we do like to put on masks, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, not actual physical mask. I meant metaphorical. <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. Now we have to put on literal ones, but that's a, yeah, a whole different thing. Yeah, that's a whole, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's a whole different thing. Um, oh, I'm actually backtracking now too is, mm -hmm. so, because it's interesting because you, there's one part you mentioned about you being in an accident hurting your back um in brazil mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. with doctors saying that you might not be able to walk and then also you're able to heal i mean how much how much is that contributes to like to your mind and, and maybe the practice of meditation and yoga uh, versus mm -hmm. the doctors maybe just being wrong in, in their diagnosis i okay so i think that I like to call my experience with my injury a conspiracy of miracles. And I use, I, I say that because, um, so anyone who gets a spinal cord injury, so my vertebrae, my L4 smashed into my L5, I fell backwards out of a window. Mm. I broke my tailbone and then long story, we'll get to that though. I'm okay. Sure okay. Um, um, it was a freak accident, but anywho, it, it happened and it, I fell out of a window and I thought that I would get caught by this palapa roof and I instead I ended up going through it. So thankfully that absorbed a lot of my fall weight. I fell about 30 feet from a second story and then I and then when I landed, I fractured my tailbone uh, in half and then my L4 smashed into my L5. It's called a burst compression fracture. Mm -hmm. So within my spinal cord, my vertebrae itself actually like almost mini like exploded. So there was like a tiny little half a centimeter piece of it left attached to the spinal cord. And then the rest of the bone fragments were inside the spinal cord. Mm. Now the conspiracy of miracles thing happened in the sense that the doctor said that within like the width of two human hairs, none of the bone fragments moved to actually sever any nerve endings in my spinal cord. Because once that happens, um, obviously I, it's irreparable, the damage that's done and it can't be fixed um, by modern medicine. The fact that like they like just literally couldn't figure out how I, I didn't even get my surgery until two weeks later. I got flown home on three airplanes um, and no one could explain to me why those bone fragments didn't move. So that within itself, I think, is made me uh, feel pretty um, blessed and grateful that there is very clear messaging around like my my health being protected to some level or another. And uh the thing about Western medicine is that I fundamentally feel, and, and I mean, I don't know how this format goes, but I'd love to ask you some questions if you're open to that at some point too. That's fine. That's fine. Um, 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 is that I feel like Western medicine is amazing for triage medicine, like for, you know, tourniquets and surgeries and things that certain herbs and Ayurveda and, and wellness attributes can't fix. But I do feel that there is a lack of balance in how we treat people in our Western medicine 
uh, system. So the I am so honored that they did such an amazing job of my surgery. And I feel so blessed to have had the doctor that I had who was incredibly skilled and my scars reasonable and all of that. Um, but afterwards, I sort of like had to dive into my spiritual toolbox of um, not giving into fear, um, asking everyone around me to not mention my diagnosis, because I think diagnosis and determination are very easily conflated. I think what is not necessarily irresponsible, but what is customary in Western medicine is that doctors will tell you what they think is most likely to happen to you, and people take it on as a foregone conclusion. Um, so my diagnostics of probably never walking again um, I had to fight against to not make the determination of my body. Um, and so that meant a lot of closing my eyes, a lot of visualizing myself dancing, visualizing myself walking, a lot of gratitude prayers, a lot of laughing with my boyfriend and my family and my nurses and like all these sorts of things. So I tried to be really, really intentional. And then for my out of hospital care, um, my physio, when she was like, you can walk one flight of stairs, I would just try to walk two. And one, one time around the parking lot, I would go to, you know, just sort of like kind of training my mind to reinforce to my body its possibilities more than its limitations. Um, and I actually, that's all from meditation and Buddhism, that sort of understanding of the of prayer relationship um, and trusting that actually. And then on the nutritional side, I did a lot of research um, on people who had healed themselves from uh, huge influxes of pharmaceutical drugs and the best way to heal from surgery. I just researched a ton of information. I talked to a bunch of people who were um, actually overcame very invasive surgeries for cancer and for brain surgery. Uh, and so it was like infrared sauna, high dose vitamin C, high dose magnesium, high dose chlorophyll, um, and tons and tons and tons of juicing. And I ate a specific diet called eating for elimination. Wow. Um, so that all the toxins in your body would remove themselves as fast as possible. And I think that combination of things, um, as well as getting off the farmers of the heavy, heavy codeine laced painkillers as fast as possible. I was still on T3s, but I got off Oxycontin within four days because I like couldn't function. I just had very little wits about me. Um, I think that sort of whole comprehensive piece um, was what allowed me to heal. Um, and being in a safe place with my family and obviously a lots and lots of sleep and lots and lots of water. So yeah, to answer your question, yes, I do think those things helped. <laughs> Interesting. Um, it almost sounds like that in, in Western medicine or even, I don't want to say doctors, but just Western medicine in general, maybe, maybe they should have a more positive outlook, right? Because when you, like what you said, when they diagnose you and then when they say like, hey, you probably can't walk so it's almost like well why can't you at least offer some hope for the patient right mm. and mm -hmm. so wouldn't that be kind of more helpful that way so you don't have to train your mind to to think more positively and and try to heal yourself you know from your mind and within I, I mean, I agree with you. And I mean, it's interesting. Like, I don't know what, what is like the, the healing tradition in, in your culture or in your family or what you're, you know, I, it's so interesting, like, because Western society uh, doesn't revere like the healer archetype or the storyteller archetype or the elder archetype, even because those things have sort of become missing from our culture. Um, we, 
we don't have access to those nuanced healing modalities you're talking about. Like we don't have necessarily that like warm matriarch or the elder who tells of the stories of empowerment through generations of, you know, a lineage of divinity within a certain type of society or a certain type of community or a certain type of tradition. So I really, I do a hundred percent think that we are very new technical technocracy based sort of civilization um, and we are in that way missing a lot of heart-based attributes um, especially in the medical system and I think um, even now specifically I, this is sort of a weirdly appropriate time to touch on these things um, I personally have experienced a lot of uh, medical negligence um, through pharmaceutical industries in my family that have caused Wow. a lot of grieve a lot of grievances in my families and um and i won't necessarily use this time to go into that but i would just say that from my personal experience i would say know your body advocate for yourself advocate for your loved ones do your own research and know that human beings are fallible and at the end of the day um your body is the most precious thing and you have to feel comfortable in every decision that you make surrounding it and only you, whoever you are, the individual can know what's best for them at any given time, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm really excited about the way, especially in, you know, California here too, is like people are very conscious about trying to find new ways to heal themselves and understanding the principles of food and understanding the principles of health yeah. in a broader spectrum. So um, I'm excited for that and for the generations to follow in that way. Okay, okay. No, no, that's, you know, I, I agree with you. It's, it, it's, it's a good thing now. And, um, and it, I actually love when you say conspiracy of miracles because I feel like the miracles part is almost, do you, I don't even know if you believed in it or not, that maybe God has something to do with this or if there's even such a figure called God. Yeah. I mean, what do you, okay, let's, let's, let's trade, let's oh, okay. trade questions oh, okay. for a second. What do you, why, okay, I, I can, and my answer is very simple. Um, but what, what's you, what, how do you dance through life? Like in, in that way, like how do you attribute or magical moments in your life that you could have never even imagined and the, the fortuitous nature of them? Do you believe in, in something outside of yourself or, or not? It doesn't matter. I'm just asking. I do. I do believe in something outside of myself. Um, but I mean, it's not like I, I don't have a, a dedicated or concrete figure, like, you know, like God, you know, like how mm -hmm. a lot of religions have their, their own figures. I don't really mm -hmm. have that. It's more just, it's more just kind of like, okay, well, I know something's out there. I'm just not sure what it is, but I kind of feel it, you know, here and there. And, you know, it's funny too, because when you're talking about the miracles part as well, I mean, I, I never actually thought about this, um, you know, earlier in my, in my younger years, mm -hmm. I, I think, I think now is where I start to be more aware and, and realize, um, because of doing enough meditation or just exploring my mind a little bit more where I start to think a little bit more because before I, I, I feel like I was just like kind of autopilot and just coasting. So when things mm -hmm. happen, I, you know, when something happened, I didn't really 
consider it to be a miracle or anything. I just go like, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. you know, this thing happened, okay, and, and moving on, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is bad because mm-hmm. it just means that you're you're kind of just like a drone, you know, you're just kind, you're just coasting through life, just doing whatever it is you're doing, um, and so that was bad, and and mm-hmm. kind of that was my take on it at the time, because um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that you know maybe there were some miracle stuff that had happened to me in my my early childhood years that i didn't really reflect back on i mean because yeah. you know, i i you know before i had bad habits of also texting while i'm driving too and you know god knows that i could have been dead by then from car accident but you know somehow i'm still mm-hmm. here so maybe that's something worth exploring and okay well maybe there is such thing as some kind of protector you know, because maybe some people have some kind of angel protecting Yeah. Them. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but I, I've heard stories about it. Mm-hmm. And how is, and that's changed for you as you've gotten older? Do you feel like you could be comfortable in saying that protect, that there is a sort of sense of maybe protectorship or, or guardianship that you've experienced in your life? Or are you still playing with that concept? I'm still playing with that concept. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess it's almost like there's two brains and one part of me say, eh, I don't know if that's even true. And the other mm-hmm. part is, well, don't just, don't just ignore it or dismiss it. I mean, at least consider the possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's always kind of like a conflicting conversation or, or internal battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's just for everything, not just not just what we're talking about here, right? Uh, everything in life is always, I mean, that's why meditation helps so much because you're able to start to step out of yourself and, and listen to your own voices or, or mm-hmm. start to realize your own voices, your own thoughts. Um, because we have so much going on in our heads throughout the day, throughout the you know week, years, however how long. It's, that's just how mm-hmm. our minds work. Yeah. Totally. I mean, and also too, in modern society, a human being's nervous system is like more taxed, our mind more stimulated, our time more spoken for than ever before in human history, actually, almost to the point where our our biology has a really difficult time keeping up with the intellectual demands of life, you know, and certainly the intellectual demands of an economic based society, um, a monetary society. Um, So for me personally, I actually find a greater sense of ease in life when I feel like I don't have, I'm not in charge of anything because I think it's also, I mean, if I may veer off just for one second, but it's like, I also think that part of what is such a burden that we carry on our shoulders as human beings is like this illusion of control that we have. And I think if anything this year has demonstrated to people quite a lot that all the things that we thought we were in control of um, are actually quite illusory, you know, outside of the, what we can put in our bodies, who we spend time with, like how we choose our, our, our partners or our relationships and our friends outside of those like fundamental things and how we treat people, of course. Um, And for me, I have found that it is, gives me a lot more peace if, I unburden myself from thinking that I'm supposed to have it all figured out and that I need to predict the future. Um, And just by actually 
you know, in prayer or in meditation by asking for the things that I need or for the things that I would like, or, you know, praying for the health and safety of loved ones. I can't, I can't give you any graph or chart that says this is a hundred percent true. This is exactly a hundred percent how it's working, but I will tell you that there is some sort of like sense of release that I feel in that practice. And it gives me a sense of easing my anxiety and that it is in the ultimate hands of what, you know, we very commonly refer to as the universe. And in my experience, uh, the universe has been uh, incredibly, uh, you know, it's definitely slapped me a few times upside the side of the head, but in hindsight, always for my benefit, you know, even if it was painful and, and, and there were things attached to it was always for my benefit. You know, I think there are tragedies in life that are totally without human reason or rationale, but for the majority of the things that I've experienced and certainly the things that I've asked for, I feel like there is a sense of, um, a sense of listening, if not, and, and I feel protection, but, but definitely a sense of listening. And that's where you kind of gain, I guess, the inner peace. Yeah. It makes me, yeah. It's like, it's just like a little life hack for, for me that works for me, you know, and gives me a lot of joy and allows me to maintain a lot of joy in my life is, uh, but I get, I mean, like, oh, trust me, I get him. I get real up in my head <laughs> as <Yeah>. well. <laughs> like right. there's no, it's not like I'm up here on a mountaintop just being like, oh yeah, I got this figured out. I'm like constantly having like going on up here, like, like most of us, but, but when I can literally just drop that and, and just ask for what I need, you know, I feel, I feel a lot lighter. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's a lifelong journey. It really is a kind of discovery throughout. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone really has an answer. Um, I mean, frankly, I feel like pretty much everyone in the world probably struggling with something or, or I mean, I'm really, who really mm-hmm. has all their shit figured out? I mean, that's, that's the thing. So. Yeah. I mean, I personally haven't met anyone. I've seen some people on the internet that look pretty dialed, but <laughs> right. <laughs> I certainly haven't, you know, I certainly yeah. haven't met anyone in real life that is, has ascended to that point, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a very high level. You're talking about like mm-hmm. Buddha level, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Cause this is a conversation I had with actually with another friend yesterday, we were actually recording our, our, uh, our last episode and yeah, we got into some pretty interesting stuff, but um, anyways, cause I was about to ask, what was my follow up question? I had a follow up question. Um, we were talking about what you believe in terms of like protecting and then like going back and forth about what you think and then what you don't think. And then you asked me what I thought. And I said, yeah, I gave you a very long answer about why I, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah no, no. <laughs> um, well, actually, no, my follow up question was really more, you know, once again, backtracking a little bit, um, cause you, you had told me that, okay, once you moved back here to LA, you thought there was kind of a deficiency um, and then, I mean, I don't know if that's the reason why you start moving somewhere else, but why did you say that you thought there was like a, a deficiency, like when you moved back in the city, was, was it just too overwhelming or? Yeah. I mean, like, I think for just for, it's just because I was sort of, um, you know, in an energetic state of just like hustling and partying and like meeting tons of people and yeah. just like 
you know, just essentially just overstimulated. Mm-hmm. And in that, and in that process, I, I wasn't really grounded in my self-care and certainly not in my spiritual self-care. It wasn't a bad thing. I loved my time in LA. And the reason I went home is because my student visa was up, you know? So um, I just couldn't find a way to stay down there. I love California in general. Um, but the, when I came home, I was like, wow, okay, I feel pretty far away from myself mm-hmm. um, just because I was sort of corresponding to a priority of a value system that wasn't necessarily what, what was really truly feeding me. Mm. Um, it was feeding me a different part of me, but uh, so yeah, so that's all I mean. And, and then, so when I got home, I was like, I'm not going to drink for a long time and I'll get, I need to be quiet and sleep a lot. <laughs> so did you think, did you think that your values were, were more like you trying to get someone else's approval or like, or f- try to fit in someone else's? requirement is is that how how it was for you well I think I mean as you know from yourself like living in LA and I don't know if you grew up here but certainly if you moved here from somewhere else like it's a big city it's like super overwhelming you got to find your way around it's it's not it's making new friendships like requires a lot of work and and maintenance and the getting to know just in general but especially in LA just because of the driving commitment you know um, and then also too, on top of that, like trying to like meet people in the film industry and then, you know, going to all the right parties and then like making sure that, you know, did it, did it, did it. And, and yeah, I was just always so, like, kind of like a kid in a candy store, you know, there's always so many things to do and so many people to see and like so many places to go. And yeah, I always felt like I was in a constant state of FOMO almost, if you will. Oh, um, yeah, I know. Fear of missing out. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the yeah. There, there's like a, actually a small little book I read about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a real thing. Yeah. yeah, totally right. And I I was like, holy shit! I was like, you could live here for fucking part my language. I was like, you could live here your entire life and like go four new places every day, and you would still never see everything. And I was just like, yeah. that blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, because to put it in context, like Canada is the second biggest country in the world based on landmass yeah. and the population is only 36 million and the population of California is like 42 million. Yeah. So for me, I was like, whoa, this is a lot of people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but the whole concept of fear missing out though, too, for you having to do all that, all, all that stuff that you do, like whether you're traveling or going to parties, I mean, in some sense, that's just almost like some kind of insecurity, right? Because you know, why do you have to have to see everything? Like, you know, let's say you see someone on Instagram posting a picture of them at some national park. Why do you feel like you're mm-hmm. missing out on that? Why do you have to go, you know, visit that place too? So it's almost like I feel like some, a lot of people are trying to prove others wrong or, or I don't know, or maybe they're just want to kind of become followers and just do what other people are doing because they think that's the cool mm-hmm. thing. And I don't know if that's, mentally if that's good for you know the society as a whole in, mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's a good like let's definitely shift gears and touch base on that because that's like something that I'm definitely um passionate about exploring um when I was there I think it was more just the newness and the novelty of being in this space I wouldn't say that I felt compelled to necessarily be in a compare I wasn't feeling as much in the social media sort of comparative 
lifestyle choice. I was sort of trying to figure it out on my own. But that being said, like in, in any small community, there's like standardized rituals. So in the small artistic community or film community, like, you know, there's certain rituals of like going to certain things and meeting certain people and love. So I definitely got caught up in something that I was seeing modeled for me in a community. Um, but as a departure from that, so this was, I'm saying six and a half years ago. So I think Instagram, I was like barely using Instagram yeah. six, yeah. six years ago. Right. Yeah. So I would say like, we can definitely talk about the arc in that period of time. Um, and I feel so blessed that, that when I came to LA, I wasn't 22. So it didn't get a chance to like eat me up or, or change my personality or like, you know, change my value system. Um, but Instagram in general, Facebook, you know, Snapchat, I have an 11 year old niece and I have a 26 year old half brother and being able to witness what the effect of social media is when you grow up, like literally with a cell phone in your hand, um, it's, it's heartbreaking um, in a lot of ways. I would say re my brother was always, we're very outdoorsy people, but my brother had a very like distant relationship with social media. I think he's ever even had a social media account since he was 18. And my niece though, um, you know, she's a, she just turned 11 for her. It's like, it's, too, I feel like it's too much for children, to be honest. I feel, I feel like it's very detrimental to their personalities and to their development. I even feel as like a, a woman in my thirties that I, you know, on lower days or bad days when you're just like, don't have your shit together. You know, sometimes it can be difficult on an emotional level. And, and I'm, I don't know if this is your experience as well. Um, but yeah, it can be hard because to look through and like all of a sudden, like now I have access to an infinite number of people's lives and we're really mainly showcasing the highlight parts of our lives and not as much the realities of our vulnerabilities. Yeah. So, um, that can be a hard thing to navigate on days when you don't feel emotionally grounded. And I absolutely don't think it's, it's good for children at all. And I certainly don't think it's good for the development of adolescents. Um, but thankfully I think people are waking up to that fact, you know? Okay. And before you, I guess you say, before you woke up, I, I, I mean, I don't know if that's the right term to use, but before you woke up, do you, did you feel like all, all that kind of activities or even social media, do you feel like it's kind of sucking away your soul a little bit <laughs> or your inner spirit or whatever you want to call it? I mean, I'd love for you two to comment on what your experience is with it um, after, after this response. But um, I, I would say it can be a great tool when you use it as a tool. Um, as an artist, it's an important tool for me um as a writer but but uh you know i think i think less scroll less troll and like that's a good motto to live by you know yeah. um i think it's like it can be a beautiful tool for connection it can be a beautiful tool for collaboration and it can be a beautiful tool for expression yeah. um but yeah you just got to try to figure out what's your own like limits and play within those kind of vibe well how is it for you what's your boy I've always had a bad habit of comparing myself to others, which is just, mm -hmm. it's a really flawed, that's a really flawed, um, yeah, that's, that's something for me I, I'm constantly working on because, you know, because I grew up in a traditional Asian household and um, it's, it's very normal for 
well, of, of course, now I don't think it's normal anymore. But, you know, as a kid, I didn't know about this. But it is very normal, common for Asian parents to compare their kids with, you know, other, you know, other Asian kids or, or even their family friends' kids or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think over time that it's almost like, it's almost like inception. I had this, that idea or whatever, you know, planted in my head. And so throughout my adulthood, that's kind of what has always been happening. And, and social media mm-hmm. has been bad in that sense because it is so easy for you to compare yourselves with other people, right? Because you, you know, you see someone, they post a picture of like, oh, okay, they just bought a new house uh, oh, and they're standing in front of their house or, or somewhere amazing, mm-hmm. right? And then you, mm-hmm. you start to, I mean, of course, comparison, and then you start to feel envy of it. And then, you know, you know that envy is mm-hmm. bad, jealousy is all, all that, that's bad because, you know, and, and so, yeah, for me, that's, that's the hard part for me to try to limit myself and understand like, okay, all these people, like what you said, they're just posting their highlights. It really shouldn't mm-hmm. matter. Who, who cares if they're, you know, doing this or, or at this place or, you know, or like they're, you know, showing off their amazing mm-hmm. physique or whatever uh, that it shouldn't matter. Right. And, um, and that's something that I'm trying to get my mind out of that. And, and, and part of the reason why I'm, you know, going on this whole journey is to separate myself from that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, so that's, that's my, that's my take on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think our society has normalized a lot of really toxic behaviors. Yeah. I think that we are going, going to be going through, um, certainly because of what's happened this year um a lot of difficulties but i think there's actually a a lot of really beautiful things inherent in this time of slowing down and this time of connecting with each other in different ways and this time of reprioritizing what's really valuable for us and meaningful for us and i think that um you know stepping away from the idolatry of celebrity culture and like stepping away from go, 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 go all the time and stepping away from, um, you know, maybe behavior patterns or, or or relationship denial issues or whatever it might be, whatever's not like been serving us. That's just kind of, we haven't given enough time or attention to, um, is really the time for us to rethink our tools. And, you know, social media is definitely one of those quick fixes of distraction and quick fixes of dopamine that our society has elevated to a place of normalcy, very similar to terrible food, very similar to alcohol, you know. So we have built into a society that overworks people, these quick fixes to distract ourselves and to uh, alleviate our pain in the short term, essentially. Um, so something that has been a really hard lesson for me to learn in my life is that discipline is actually the freedom, not, um, not indulging and like not temptation. There isn't really any freedom in that, even though it feels like it. And, um, I find that for me, I don't love to be online. I don't love to be inside. I don't love to do the things that are considered to be 
high tech mo- yeah exactly like modernized world yeah. um i like to utilize them as tools um but yeah i'm a lot I'm, I'm pretty simple in terms of what i feel really joyful about and i think that there needs to be and there should be a lot of space for people to experience life in whatever diverse manner that they that they wish to and I think the more we can start stepping away from collective shooting each other, you should do that. He should do this. She should do this. This should, this is what this should look like. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, that is to me, I think such a fucking part of my language, dead end ideology. And it causes people so much pain. And it certainly as a woman has cost me many, many hours of my life of like, you know, I should be this skinny or I should be this, you know, this rich or I should be this da 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 da. We I think you know all we've all gone through that. So yeah, I feel you on the renaissance of the spirit and of the heart that I think has a possibility to emerge out of this time in a great way. Um yeah, oh well that's the hope because there are still a lot of people or a handful of people where you could argue they they're still acting the same. Um because eventually eventually people kind of adjust to the situation and then our minds also settle in mm-hmm. and so in the beginning yeah maybe someone might be also feeling more grateful for their situation and you know blah 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 but then maybe after a couple of months once they adjust and settle down then mm-hmm. they start going back into kind of like the good old routine uh you know if it's a bad habit they start going through their bad habits again mm-hmm. um, totally yeah and then I, I don't know how it is for you you know when it comes to going through your routine of meditation and and um yoga and all, all that I, I don't know if you're able to get rid of a lot of your bad habits or or even i guess uh what, what's the word i'm trying to look for um kind of recalibrate i guess your your internal compass oh i'd like and to be totally transparent i completely fell off the wagon this year since oh okay uh, probably since oh my god no because stress is like whenever we feel stressed like we immediately go to our coping mechanisms yeah like for me that's like sleeping in late emotional eating like you know i have a whole laundry list of coping mechanisms that may be too much red wine sometimes Um, so definitely with this year for me, especially having my industry of like events and live music and gatherings, which straight up just actually don't exist anymore. Um, yeah, I wasn't like six o'clock in the morning doing sun salutations. I was like drinking a half bottle of red wine to myself, (laughs) (laughs) but I think, I think the good news about what's cool about being a human is like, we get far away from ourselves. It's like everything in nature, right? There's a balancing so we can get far away from ourselves to a point and then we're like, wow, this is really like not where I want to be. And then we gradually find ways to come back to it, you know, and, and I've only recently come to a place where I feel even slightly grounded enough that I'm like just starting to kind of put myself back together again, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and try to embrace this like, you know, brave, wild new world of like Zoom relationships and like online working and, yeah. and you know, as we're all trying to reconfigure together. So I have an incredible amount of empathy and uh, I'm learning to have a lot more compassion for myself because I certainly know that we, every single person is experiencing this current new 
relationship to reality in their own individual way. And there's no right or wrong to any of it, actually. And I also think that in life, this shooting or this compartmentalized or this comparative sense of, of, of expectation on how you should execute your existence is not only, you know, a primary thief of joy, but it's also very uh, distracting from what is authentically present for us in our hearts and claiming that. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I think when it, there's something really cool, but the hope that I have that like when all of the shoulds and, and the being the good girl or bad girl, you know, and doing what your parents wanted you to do and all that kind of stuff, you know, when we throw that all out at the end of the day and we really just concentrate on like, hey, like what actually just like makes me feel joyful? If it's painting a picture, or dancing in my living room or writing a story or like singing karaoke or like whatever, whatever, we're making a beautiful food, whatever that is. I think energetically, the more we start to cultivate that on an individual level, like it will have an effect. It does have a ripple out effect. And, and you know, that's my, that's my great prayer for, for humanity, actually, not to sound totally lofty, and, but like, okay. I wish, I hope, I hope that we get more space to, to be in relationship with what makes us joyful, you know? So actually, I do have like, you know, a follow-up follow comment and question about that too, because mm -hmm. you know, I get, I get where you're coming from and, and, you know, I hope in the long run, you know, humanity can have that change, but at the same time, do you feel like maybe yourself, you're experiencing this too, or maybe you see your other friends experience this, but let's say like, you know, let's say feeling compassion, you know, for, uh, for others, you know, or feeling love. Some people tend to maybe not truly feel it, but they're do they're, they're, sh let's say they're, let's say they're showing love because they, because they maybe in their head, they're telling themselves, Oh, well, during this pandemic area, well, I just, this period, I should be grateful for, for all the things I have. So maybe I'll just force myself to be grateful, but, but they're not actually truly grateful. You see the difference? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know how it is for you. I don't know if it's like for you, you're actually feeling it like even as a sensation or you're just, or you're just kind of like going through, well, I wouldn't say, I shouldn't say going through the motions, but, um, almost like putting on a face uh, in some sense. If you, it, I, maybe I'm not explaining this very well. No, no, I, under, I, I think I understand what you're saying. And I, I definitely think that like, for sure, that's, that's part of it, right? Is like we do these behaviors that we think that we should be doing because yes. we have to like tell ourselves to do them and that we're supposed to get some sort of benefit from the end. It's yes. like, even with meditation, people like force themselves to sit down, but really they're just like thinking about a million things and they're like, are I doing it right? And I don't really feel any different. And like, that's maybe <laughs> shit. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. shit or like I'm yeah. shit and I'm doing yeah. it wrong. And yeah, like, who exactly. knows? And then they never yeah. do it again. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah. so that's what I mean about the individual process of like self-discovery is like the things that actually put you in your heart. I feel like those are the only things that will ever give you enough patience and openness to be able to really truly be like, okay, you know, I don't have to attach to this feeling or I can let this go or I can be less angry here or fucking man. I tell you how powerful forgiveness is forgiveness of self and forgiveness of others is like one of the most powerful things that I've experienced in my life. Mm -hmm. And 
it offers so much freedom mentally and emotionally. Um, and yeah, I think, I think the easiest life hack that requires zero relationship to thinking you're doing it right. Because I know that sometimes people are like, I'm scared of yoga because I don't, I'm not graceful or I'm not flexible. I totally get it. We all have our things. I hate jogging in public. It's just like a weird thing in my head. I think everyone's looking at me and I'm doing it wrong. And I'm just like, I look like Napoleon dynamite no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So everyone has their weird, everyone has their things. I have them. Everyone has them. Yeah. Yeah. But what I mean is like, I also think that we equally have these things that just light us up. For me, it's dancing. And for me, it's, you know, spending time with children. And I love, I love being outside. I love trees. I love open fields. I love looking at the sky. I love that. So whenever I can, you know, go for a walk for an hour by myself without thinking of doing anything special or, or, and nothing, like, I don't have to plan anything, but just like, even just taking that time to do that. I find that when I come back, I have a totally shifted level of awareness where I'm able to perceive um, things differently, if that makes any sense. I'm less in my head. Yeah, cause, well, because during, during like your walk, you're probably connecting with the nature, mm-hmm. feeling or sensing, I, I guess, you know, any life force around or, or you know, spirits, right? I mean, roughly, that's probably how. How how I yeah. explain it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, I definitely think it's undeniable, even if you're not going there for the re- for that reason. Like, how many people you know drive and just pull their car over at sunset or take their families to the beach? Doesn't mean that they're all like, "Oh, Mama Gaia, I love you, sunset, thank you yeah. so much." It's yeah. just that there's something inside of us that is connected to the natural world, you know, all of our ancestors and all indigenous traditions and all traditions before, you know, the industrial revolution, all built their entire life on the rules of nature and uh, a harmonic, or pardon me, our harmonic um, existence within those rules and within those systems. So yeah, I think it's easy for us to, to go there and feel really held, which is what I feel. And then from that feeling, I'm able to to find other ways that are actually like better for me to to care take care of myself. Okay, and is that how it that led you to? Because um, I know you went to this this I guess program called what Pachamama Community. Yeah, I read a little bit about it. So I mean, tell me about that. I mean, because because it sounds like you know from everything you experienced, you know, being out in nature, maybe that led to you going through this you know attending this community or checking it out basically yeah well what led me to community so i've been to costa rica once before in 2018 and i i've always loved uh like junk i've been to nicaragua and costa rica and to mexico many times and i just love the type of wild living i love it in southeast asia like i love it in small places on the mediterranean that i've been to I just love wild living, flip-flops, jumping on motorbikes, like just eating mangoes off the trees. And I've always gravitated toward that type of uh, relationship to, to nature. And so I went to Pachamama because recently I would say in the past, since I, I last saw you, my whole value system of what I thought I wanted or what I thought was cool has completely shifted. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't want to live in like a big bustling crazy city and like go to nightclubs all the time and like you know I don't I don't 
I'm not as fed by that. I, in January of this year, I actually moved out of Vancouver in the city and I put all my stuff in storage and I went to Pachamama and I was like, I want to live in a rural area. I want to have access to a city to like be able to like do art and perform and like go to events. But I want to live in a community, a rural community. So going to Pachamama, Pachamama is that. Um, it is a really cool community that was founded 20 years ago um, that has been built up over time. And it is a spiritual and wellness based community. Um, they correspond to the principles of Osho who is like an Indian, I'm sure most people have heard of Osho, but uh, he was like an Indian teacher that was very popular uh, and brought his, his methodologies from India to America in the 60s and 70s. Um, and so there's things that bound the community together. So we'd all meditate, you know, every day at six, was it six o'clock? Yeah, six o'clock to 7.15. And then we'd all, you know, we'd have to go a minimum number of four or five times a week. And then we'd all eat together and we would all do yoga together and we would all dance together. And inside of the community, um, it was mandatory that you would do at least one personal development workshop for a minimum of three days every month. And so those sorts of things where people are always investigating themselves and always, oh, and like, like it's a so totally sober community. They don't even use sugar or any animal products or anything like that. So so not only are you cleaning up the actual physical temple, but you're also in communion with the natural world and communion with community. And there's, they have a school there. So there's like a bunch of young children. And I loved it. I just found the principles of that type of living are so much more in alignment with the things than the things that I thought that I wanted when I was, you know, in my twenties. And um, I loved my twenties. Don't get me wrong, but like a slower pace and more priority for wellness and for emotional wellness is sort of where I'm excited to spend my energy and my curiosity. And, and so I was there for six weeks doing a work exchange program, volunteer program. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't have actually really a bad thing to say about it. I met some amazing people. I went there alone. I had my birthday there. Like I, I'm super excited. I'm going to go back actually next month. Um, I, yeah, I, if you haven't gone, I would look into going if you're, if you're interested. Um, it's definitely kicks your ass. You know, if you, whatever those like latent daddy issues you might've had, like you're going to deal with those. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's where you discover all your issues then your, your yeah. self-development, personal development courses. That's how you figure yeah, it out. Yeah. 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 Like that's, I mean, we're so interesting as people and like, I, I think it's so, it's so fun to have reflections like yeah. in groups of strangers or even with your romantic partners or within your family members. Like we're constantly in a dance of getting our own shit reflected back at us. Yeah. And yeah. And I think the process of maturity is that we engage with it versus running away from it. And um, what I've understood through the system of yoga and meditation is that when we actually deny what is coming up for us, we deny our emotions or we deny our pain, uh, it lives inside the body. And that's actually what causes a lot of disease and uh, mental imbalances uh, and chronic illness later in life. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean sense of humor and <laughs> it's like you just gotta have a sense of humor about all of it because sure. none of it makes sense you know yeah yeah you have to be open to it you know um i mean that's the thing about most people is that it, 
the people who aren't open to, you know, even such a community, um, then it just wouldn't really have the full effects or, or full benefits if, if you want to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so I, I, I know, absolutely know what you mean. I mean, it's, to me, it's not crazy. It's not, it's, it's kind of part of the journey and part of what you need to do. And mm-hmm. it's great that you're, you're able to dig up all your childhood issues, everything deeper uh, within your roots, right? Through, um, through this community or, or through whatever you're doing, like, you know, previous years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I mean, have you yourself, um, you know, as a storyteller and a, like a very sensitive and from what I remember, a very astute soul, like, do you, what is like, what is your relationship with acknowledging certain patterns in your life and where they come from? Is that a process that you've, that you participate in at all? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, for me, I, the most I've done was, I, I mean, I had done like a one hour meditation session before, um, actually just a couple of weeks back, but, but usually I just do meditation on my own, like, you know, mm-hmm. using, using apps like Headspace or, or whatever, you know, for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was okay. I didn't find it. Well, but that's another thing too. I, I guess is one of those where I thought I, maybe it's one of the moments where I was forcing myself to do it because I was looking for a benefit. So which my, my approach was, I already was already kind of wonky or wrong. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm trying to recalibrate and, and approach it differently and, and just go in. If I'm going to meditate, go in and not even think about too much of it. And, and getting back to the point about, you know, the storytelling, all that, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I, certainly things have changed in in a sense where maybe even the stories I'm telling, maybe they become a little bit more like, maybe more just kind of existential concepts, more, more so than like actual Hollywood plot that you always see in in the movie theater. So it's a little bit more, Mm -hmm. I guess you can say the word would be abstract, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I find find that a lot of the stories that I'm telling is kind of pointing towards more of an abstract abstract idea. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's good or bad. I mean, that just kind of comes out like, you know, it just comes out differently than before. Because I, I mean, last time we worked together, it was it was just some like kind of like fun little horror thing that we we were doing, mm-hmm. and I mean, I'm not. Not that I'm not interested in, in, in that kind of stuff, but I mean, it just becomes a little bit more secondary. I, actually, even storytelling or even filmmaking for me nowadays has become a little bit more secondary. Um, uh, I, I think maybe that's where the values have shifted for me as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same as for you, where your values, you thought like, okay, this is what I wanted, but you actually realize like, oh, well, this is really way off. So that's kind of the same for me where, not that I don't like to, make films or do any of that but I, I realized that okay is that all I want to do I mean there has to be some other things going on that I can explore uh, other options that are you know whatever it is right um, so that's something that's like an ongoing process for me to try to figure out mm-hmm. what is um, but then of course you know it's funny because we I think part part of the problem also too is that I forgot who said this. I, I think it was Alan Watts who said this. Mm-hmm. If you know who, well, I think everyone knows who Alan Watts is. Yeah. A famous philosopher. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's him, but 
if it was not him, then then I truly apologize. I totally screwed it up. But he 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 didn't mention that you know life. Um, basically, life shouldn't really have a destination. It it, it shouldn't. It's life. It should be just kind of like the process, like a journey. You know. So I I think a lot of the problems of human beings that we always look for a destination in life, meaning like oh, once I have achieved this house or career then i'm set my life is good right but then you realize that's not the case you realize that's yeah. not that's not really a destination you know it's just it's, it's just like a outside is this kind of like an object or an item that gives you ple- pleasure or whatever you know what i mean yeah. um so i thought that was pretty a pretty interesting um philosophy and, and I, I agree with it you know there, there shouldn't really be a destination because each person's destination. I mean, if there is a destination, each person's destination would be different if there e- even one at all. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of how, for me, it has changed a little bit, at least the last time we've talked, <laughs> like six years ago, I guess. Yeah, well, I think that's beautiful. And like, that's such a nice, incredible um, reflection for you in your life. And I love Alan Watts very much. And, yeah. and, um, my partner often is quoting the fact that uh, there's a quote that Alan Watts um, also says where it's like, um, <clears throat> life is was meant to be a musical thing. And if we're not singing and dancing all oh, along, yeah. then we've missed the point. Something like close, very close to that. Yeah. Um, and it is a musical thing. And, yeah. you know, we are meant to be singing and dancing. And I think that that's what children and actually quite elder people teach us. You know, it's like there's, the sort of softening and flowering in the beginning and the end stages of life and somewhere in the middle we become like hyper indentured into concepts around obligations and responsibilities that um i think can sometimes take us out of our hearts and that's also by necessity a lot of times as well so i don't think it, i i really truly have come upon this place in my life where i don't think that there is a wrong way to live your life i think the only person that would ever be able to correspond with the concept of wrong with is within you the person the individual yeah. and if you know you are you know not being true to yourself or if you're hurting yourself then that would be the time to reflect and to make changes and to you know evolve i think the concept that people can't change is totally bullshit i've experienced many changes in my life and i've seen and witnessed many changes of many people that i care about in my life um and we're constantly evolving and constantly ascending and constantly changing and we also then will move backwards again and move forward and i think intrinsic in that is the deeper sense of humility you know is like if, if if we were only like you said like if their life was just about the destination yeah, and then like yeah. we, we come out of the womb and all of a sudden we're ascended yeah. masters and what there would yeah. be no point in this in yeah. this whole thing yeah. that we're taking place that we're taking part in and um i think that it's so funny how the the destination is related to our projection of the future you know, or our relationship to the past. And, you know, as Alan Watts says, and as Buddha says, and as, you know, Muji says, and as, as, you know, Yogananda says, I mean, everyone, we're all, as children show us, you know, I think they're such incredible teachers, children are. Um, They show us all the time, as animals show us all the time, that joy comes from the present moment. 
It yeah. truly does, yeah. you know? And, and so when you say things to me like abstractions, you know, there's also sort of like a beautiful open space for creativity there because you're not putting too much thought or direction into it, you know? And, um, yeah, it's a really cool process of unlearning and undoing this sort of hyper conditioning that we all have as adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I agree with everything you said. I, I think it was beautiful that you said too. And, you know, I love you, how you're doing some quotes in there. I mean, I, I always try to stop myself from quoting too much of different people because sometimes when I'm talking to, that's actually another thing I'm working on too, is like a fear of judgment because when I'm talking yeah. to you, I guess you could say regular people, you know, when I'm quoting, they always, they might think that I'm pretentious or whatever. I'm just like, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. That's just, so I, I, sometimes I try to stop myself, but at the same time I realize exactly like what you said throughout the whole conversation, like, why should I, you know, if I, if that's something that brings me joy and that's something that mm-hmm. um, I can grow and helps me evolve and grow, then, then, you know, whatever. Right. And, if other totally. people yeah if other people don't accept that's how it is then okay well then probably maybe you're not really woke you know you're just kind of still asleep in a way um and whatever right then those are people that whether i want to connect with or not on a long-term basis and i'll just have to reevaluate this is how i see it um because uh, yeah I, i've also been reading a lot of stoic philosophy as well or trying to you know understand that oh yeah. cool yeah, yeah. I mean, I always quote, I always quote Seneca a lot, and then there's obviously Marcus Aurelius, because mm-hmm. I, I think they have a very, they have very interesting ideas as well. Because um, they're, I mean, of course, I don't know if they have background in like any of the stuff like meditation or even Buddhism or or not whatnot. Maybe, mm-hmm. I mean, because you know, even philosophy ideas, I, I I think a lot of them stems or derives from you know certain. Um, foundational uh, ideas from like maybe Buddhism or even from a little bit from meditation or, or even yoga, right? Cause they're all kind of linked together mm-hmm. and all connect together. So, um, so yeah, it's a very interesting, they have some interesting stuff. So I'll try to read a little bit more about it. Um, kind of, you know, yeah, help. yeah. Uh, that's kind of the, yeah, the evolution. And, and um, that's I, great. Know I, I know I have a lot more questions you know, I know I'll have a lot more to ask you, um, but you know, it, it is that time where it, we are trying to, we are starting to wrap it up. I mean, I, I know I always have to tell my list, but if anyone's listening, I always have to tell them that usually conversations last anywhere from like 45 minutes to an hour, but it, it actually kind of seems like that these conversations will probably have to be more in the future, but you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, now, it's hard to put it time. It's hard to put a time on flow. Um, and I would just say that life is this ongoing open-ended conversation. So we'll pick yeah. it up another time. Um, but just to reflect back something that I think is really powerful um, in any process of discovery with any person is knowing that your fear of judgment and my fear of judgment and everyone's fear of judgment is the same fear. You know, we yeah. all have that. Yeah. And it, it's so interesting how we've convinced ourselves that we are the only person that was made not good enough and everyone else seems to have it all together and somehow somewhere along the way you know we're not doing it as well as we should be 
And what's crazy is that I don't think that there's one person that doesn't feel that way. And unfortunately, social media sort of exploits those vulnerabilities within us. And we get to this stage in life, like children exemplify for us, where we just have to say, fuck it. And those, to quote Dr. Seuss, those who matter don't mind, and those who mind don't matter. Nice. Um, and, it. you know, it's like your people will always have you and always have your back. And, and I think what's really cool about this time is like, we've just shown that we can pick up after almost six years of not really staying in close contact. But once you have an imprint or a resonant frequency with somebody, it yeah. doesn't matter, you know, where they are in their life or how long has gone by, you will always be able to re-engage with that frequency. And it teaches you that we are actually on some level and certainly this is just how I interpret it. Maybe it's not how others interpret it, but how I interpret it is that we are connected by an energetic frequency that, that renders us always in a family at some point. You know, We're always able to find a common reflection in another person, even in a stranger sometimes, which is even cooler um, about how, uh, par how much part of this beautiful, like, universal consciousness um, we are that we're all thinking in and dreaming in and creating in and extracting from and contributing to um, and you know that's why unless there's like what I, I don't even know who wrote this but I remember reading it once when I was younger it's like unless there's um, love and freedom for all there will be, I mean sorry unless there's freedom for and justice for all pardon me there will be freedom and justice for none because we are all needing to operate together in, in, in the most well state. So yeah, I'm just yeah, saying. That's very, very well put. Cause I was about to say was, even though we're all connected, you know, with some sort of energy or some vibe, but it's also possible that not everyone is in like your same wavelength. And so not everyone that you might be able to connect either on the same level or or just, it's almost like not the right fit, I guess you, you can say that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, at least that's kind of how I see it. Um, totally. No, of course, a hundred percent. And that's incredibly wise. But then that's just like, you know, knowing yourself and it's like, this is where I want to put my energy in something that feels easeful and, and feels me. Or do I want to put my energy in something that feels, you know, conflicting and difficult and drains me? You know, at, at a certain point, we have to sort of just make those choices in our relationships, in our, in our workplace, in our, you know, whatever it is, whatever habits we've developed, you know, yeah. we might have to re-relate to them at some point. Um, and I think that that's a super cool. important process because it just actually means you're learning how to love yourself better. Yeah, no, that's, this is, this is really good stuff. Um, yeah, this is a very profound from Vanessa here for, for anyone listening. Right. Definitely wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> very wise. Uh, he's very, very wise. Okay. Um, but anyways, yeah, you know, we're, I am almost done my tea as well. So we're, we're going to leave it here, wrap it up here tonight. Um, I'm sure we'll have Vanessa back. Uh, who knows when? Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll have her back for part two, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll be back next week too. So, you know, just keep, keep following us, keep staying tuned with these conversations. They're really good stuff. So, okay. Anyways. And thank you so much, Darren. It's been a blessing to drink tea with you course, and to course. smash brains together. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. And uh, goodbye, everyone.